Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Nathan. I'll be giving uh, the scripture reading for today. Uh, today's scripture reading is from uh, Exodus 31, 1 to 11. If you need a Bible, are we doing that? Uh, if, okay, if you, have, if you don't have a Bible, uh, too bad, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right, so again, Exodus 31, 1 to 11. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I, have, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft, and behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent, the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its standing, and the finely worked garments, and the holy garments of Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons, for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrance incense of the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Okay, we're going to continue in our series called Heart Check, which is a series focused on the sinful habits of our heart that need to be redeemed in Christ and then replaced with godly habits uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us through faith. So today, our focus is on workaholism. Most addictions have a negative image associated with them um, because, you know, no one wants to be known as an addict. It, there's just that negativity. Um, but workaholism is different. It seems to be the only sin that is respectable in the Christian community. Uh, let me explain. It's, I can't count how many times that I ask a some of you or people in general, and I say, so how are you? And a common response is, oh, I'm so busy. And then you fill in the blank, like, I'm so busy work at work, or I'm so busy taking care of my kids, or I'm so busy uh, studying in school, or I'm so busy and just whatever. And it, it seems in our society that to be busy is a sign of productivity, of value, of worth, Right? I mean, think about it. If, if somebody asked us, like, so how are you? And we responded like, well, I'm not so busy. You know, I I'm, I'm kind of have the good balance between my work and my free time. And, you know, if, if people answered that, or we answered that, people would probably think we're kind of odd because that's very rare. Nobody ever answers that way, right? And, and they might even think, like, man, this person's kind of lazy. 
You know, <laughs> they got free time and they're just relaxing. Come on, you got to work harder. You know, you got you to do something, you know. And uh, it just, it seems like that would be an odd response. And so let's, what is the difference between a hard worker and a workaholic? What is the difference? What do you think? Well, it has everything to do with what drives the person. Everything. It's a, it's a heart issue. And that's why it's part of this heart check series. Uh, it's an issue of our heart. So the hard worker may put in long hours, and, but they are still emotionally available to the people that they work with, their family members, and their friends, even though they're working long hours. Uh, they would maintain a good balance between work and their personal responsibilities, uh, whether it be you know, to their families or as a wife or a husband. Um, and they actually enjoy outside activities uh, when they have their free time. So they have a life outside of work that they really enjoy and look forward to. Now, on the other hand, workaholics value work over every other activity in life. Uh, and this negatively affects their health, potentially, and also their family relationships. Usually, they will have few, if no, outside activities other than their work, and the work has become an obsession to them. It's work, 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 work. Work invades every single area of life, because I got to do this, is the feel. I just got to do it. I, I can't not do it. I got to do it. And, and today's digital world adds a whole new dimension to this issue of workaholism, because now we are able to work basically anywhere, especially at home. Many of us have been working from home the last <laughs> 16 months, 17 months because of the pandemic, and this, this blurring of lines now between relaxation and work is just kind of even more blurry uh, because of this new technology and the pandemic. So if we are a workaholic, we're always spinning plates. We can't help it. We got to keep those plates spinning and multiple plates, and we work while we're at home, we work on the weekends, we work maybe while we're eating on our phones and stuff, or we, we work if and when we ever take a vacation, but we're going to work on the vacation anyway, so at least part of it, or, you know, we'll squeeze it in there somewhere. And, you know, the, for example, the U.S. Travel Association says that more than half, more than half, it's like 62% of Americans leave their vacation time unused. Isn't that crazy? Well, maybe if you're a workaholic, you're like, yeah. <laughs> right? Of course. Workaholics may accomplish a lot. They may be running hard from early in the morning to late at night. But workaholics are not taking time with the Lord God. Because they're too busy. Ah, i got too much to do. I'll do that later. Well, I can't do that. You know, reading the Bible regularly? No way. I can't do that. I'm too busy. They're not slowing down enough to allow God to work in their hearts. And that's why it's such a heart issue to be a workaholic. And this is a big problem, especially if we say we follow the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we so wrapped up in work or school or raising our children or whatever we're doing that it's just become the all-encompassing thing before us? We wake up thinking about it, we dream about it, we fret about it. We get super anxious about it. 
then we might have some workaholic tendencies. We might. Not necessarily, but we might. And as Christian author Steve Poe uh, wrote, oops, I went too far. Oh, forgot to upload my new slide. So you can just listen to uh, this. The reality is that nothing of enduring value happens at mock speed. Now, if you don't know what mock speed is, one mock is 767 miles per hour. That's super fast. And it's the speed of sound, I think. If that's, yeah, that's right. It's super fast. And so let me throw out here a few statements that will help all of us evaluate if we might have some workaholic tendencies. And if we got like multiple ones of these that we can say, yeah, that's definitely me, then we're probably a workaholic, okay? So let me go through some of these. So the first one. Um, we think of how we can free up more time to work. Second one, we've been told to reduce our time working but ignore these requests because I just got to do it or whatever reasons we have in our head. Third one, we spend much more time working than we initially intended at first. You know, you start something and then you just end up more working and you get more time and yeah, it always happens that way. Um, next one, we become stressed when we are not able to work. You just get kind of unsettled. You feel like you got to work. Uh, another one, we lower the importance of hobbies, fun activities, and fitness in exchange for more work time. I can't work out. I'm too busy. Or, you know, I was going to do that, but I'm not going to do that now. I'm going to work, right? And then, lastly, we work so much that it has negatively impacted our health and probably our relationships and things like that. And now these statements are from the Bergen Work Addiction Scale from the University of Bergen in Norway. So if you want to look that up, there's some good stuff there. If we live, our li uh, if we live like work takes up like every aspect of our life, it's a top priority in our lives, our work has become an idol and has replaced God in our lives. That's practically. Um, our problem is a heart problem, right? It's... Everything stems from our heart. And so that's why we're doing a heart check. Practically, in reality, we're refusing God's calling on our lives in respect to what we're doing. We're refusing God and what He has called us to do with respect to what, he is, what we're doing right now, whether it's work. And when I say work, I mean whatever we're doing. It could be a student studying. We could be a mother at home or a father at home taking care of the children. Whatever it is, if it becomes an obsession, it's replaced God. And so we need a change of heart. We need a new mindset in Christ. And only the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God can do this in our hearts and minds. When I say mindset, I mean heart. You know, heart, mind, and biblically, it's the same thing or similar. It's where we, what generates our beliefs, our feelings, our emotions, and our will to choose. So the truth is that God is always at work, and he calls each of us to work with him in everything we do. This is the truth that we're going to be looking at, and this is what is known as the doctrine of vocation in the Christian world. So I'm going to focus now on the doctrine of vocation as a way to help us understand and change our mindset based on the scriptures and the truth of God. So vocation... This word vocation just simply means to call. 
And uh, vocation by itself is, means a specific calling to a profession or an occupation or a business or something like that. But in, this, in the Christian idea and doctrine is that this define, uh, is that it's a divine calling to God's service. So oftentimes you think of like, oh, a pastor has a calling, you know, somebody gets a calling and they are to be a pastor or a missionary. But yeah, that's true. But also you have a calling, even if you're not called to be a pastor or missionary, you're called to do what God is calling you to do. And we're going to talk more about that. And it's not people who decide their callings. It's God who makes the calling on us. He decides what our calling is. And the doctrine of vocation stands on this truth that it is the almighty God who does the calling of his people. We're not out there figuring out or deciding what our calling is. So God calls, first and foremost, all mankind to faith in Jesus Christ. So this is the general calling of God, which we hear about, hopefully, a lot as followers of Jesus, and we talk about it as much as we can, that God has called people to himself in Christ Jesus to follow him by faith, the risen Lord. And so that's a common calling we all have, a common vocation that is for all of mankind, each of us to place our faith in Jesus and follow him. And when we place our trust in Jesus and follow him as Lord, then we are the children of God. We are adopted into his family. We are the family of God through faith in Christ. And so this common vocation is to be a child of God. That's what he's calling us to do. He wants to adopt us in Christ Jesus. So workaholism is partly an identity problem of who we see we are. Are we a child of God? Or am I just an employee of this <laughs> corporation? Or am I just a mother of these children? Or what? Right? So it's an identity issue, partly. If our identity is based on what we do rather than who we are in Christ Jesus, then what we do will drive us in life rather than who we are. So while all of us who believe in Jesus have this common calling, vocation in Christ and faith, uh, we each have multiple callings, specific callings for each of us. And this is important to understand the difference. There's the general call of God to faith, and then there's the way God calls you, which is different than me, to follow Him and to have Him work through you specifically. We have a calling, for example, to our work, our job. We have a calling to our families in whatever role we play as a child or a parent, or as a wife or husband or grandparent. Um, we have a calling as a student if we're studying. We're, we have a calling as a citizen of our hometowns or our, uh, the larger society. What is we, how is God going to work through us in that calling? And we have a calling as part of his body of Christ on earth, the church. So a great illustration of this vocation idea and this doctrine is the story of what Nathan read earlier, the story of um, how God called Bezalel. <laughs> Say it right, Bezalel. In our text, Exodus chapter 31, 1 through 11. So Moses had received the Ten Commandments already, and God revealed to him then how he was to be worshipped by the Israelites. And that meant that it, this required elaborate altars and basins and the Ark of the Covenant to be built in specific ways. 
uh, beautifully, and so we see this, and I'll read it again in verses 1 through 5 of our text. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, and cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. God called Bezalel to the vocation of being an artist in many different ways. And Bezalel actually is the first person in the Bible, in the scriptures, that is described as being filled with the Spirit of God. And what's interesting, too, is that the text also says that God filled him with the ability and the intelligence and the knowledge and the craftsmanship needed for what he was calling him to do. Now, these were not supernatural powers that God just said, oh, Bezalel, zap, now you're like super good. It'd be like getting some, one of us and zapping us, and then all of a sudden we're like LeBron James, you know, we can play basketball or something like that, right? No, it wasn't like that at all. No, these talents and abilities had already been in Bezalel's life uh, through the natural course of his life. He had these abilities and skills and had already been expressing them in different ways. And God is claiming that this is my work in Bezalel. And I have called him for this purpose. So this is the doctrine of vocation we're starting to see here in the scriptures. And hopefully we can get an understanding of this, that it's God at work in and through the way he has designed you and me to do his work that he has planned for us to do on earth. And so there's a general calling, the vocation we all have to follow Jesus, and then there's the specific vocation he has each of us to do. So the question then is, what is God's calling for our life? More in the specific sense, right? That's all we want to know. And how do we find this vocation, this calling? Well, well, before we get into how to find our vocation, let's first talk about the purpose of vocation, of God's calling for us, the purpose of God's calling. So uh, let's look at a text that talks to this. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says there, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So these verses explain that our relationship with God has nothing to do with our works, our deeds, whether they were good or really bad. It has nothing to do with that. Um, it's totally God's work. It is a gift that we do not deserve, and that's the idea of grace. It is by grace, God's grace, that we have been saved. It's not dependent on us. It's on Him. And then the Apostle Paul continues writing in verse 10. He says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So by the virtue of our own creation, the purpose of our life is to do good works for God's glory, for His name to be known. And this is amazing, that He already prepared Himself ahead of time for us to do. And so that's the purpose of our lives. We are God's workmanship, meaning that God is at work in each of us. He's molding us. He's crafting you. 
He's continually working in you and then therefore through you if you are available to him in faith in Christ to do his work on earth. And this is the doctrine of vocation. Um, God at work in and through us and we are called to faith in Christ Jesus and we are called to do good works for his name to be known. So good works that God calls us to do is summed up in this command that Christ gave his disciples Uh, The greatest, two greatest commandments, you remember? To love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the purpose of vocation is to love and serve our neighbor to the glory of God. So we love God first, and then what flows through that love of God is our love of our neighbor. It's just a natural outpouring and practical way of showing our love of our Lord God. And this is the test and guide to how we are each to live our calling in our specific situations, to love our neighbor. So, for example, we can ask ourselves, how does my calling serve my neighbor? Or who are my neighbors in my particular vocation, calling, situation? And how can I serve them with the love of God? So apply that to our work, our job, or our children that we're taking care of at home. Or if we're a grandparent, to our situations. Ask these questions of that. There can be no good works if they are done without love for our neighbor, our fellow human being. No good works are possible in the sight of God. The purpose of vocation then provides an excellent guidance to in regards to whatever we do, if you think about that. No matter what we are doing, this gives us guidance on how to do it for the glory of God. Anything we do that does not love and value our neighbor is not according to God's calling for us, period. And one way to look at sin is that we are in rebellion against God's calling for us, meaning God's vocation for us as a follower of him. Since the purpose of vocation is to love and serve our neighbor, Failure to do so is a sin against God and a rebellion against what he has called us to do. So, for example, every vocation has its unique temptations and, and this capacity to sin. So, let's take, for example, the police. If we are policemen, and that is our calling, we are called to protect our fellow citizens. But we are not called to abuse that power or even kill our citizens. When we do that, we are rebelling against God's calling. Uh, businesses are not to be giving their, uh, in their callings to cheat their employees or to cheat their customers. If they're doing that, they're against that calling. Craftsmen uh, doing terrible work, journalists writing lies without checking the facts, uh, artists who squander their talent and do like pornographic images, uh, they, are, they are all hurting their neighbor through fully, uh, fulfilling their callings in this way and rebelling against God and therefore it's sin. Parents are called to take care of their children, not to abuse them. That would be rebelling God's calling. Husbands are called to love and care for their wives and wives for their husbands. Not to mistreat them. Anything that violates the purpose of our calling or vocation of God is sin. 
See how that works? So what is God's calling for our life or for our life specifically? Well, there are two truths to understand about finding out or finding and determining our vocation. The first we need to understand, and this is hard for us Americans, okay, you prepared? Is that we don't have a choice. <laughs> we have no choice in God's calling for us, specifically. And despite what our culture leads us to believe, vocation is not our choice. It's not self-chosen. Uh, we do not choose our vocations. We are called to them by God. And I'll give you an example. So, you know, this is really clear in our primary vocation or calling within our own family. Think about it. We did, God used a family to bring you and I into the world. We did not choose our parents. We didn't have any choice about that. Matter of fact, the parents did not choose us, <laughs> right? I mean, they may have chosen to have us, like, okay, let's have a kid, you know? Um, but when and how, then it's not up to them really, too. Uh, but, or maybe we were adopted. So, yeah, our parents did choose us, but they didn't choose how we turned out. They have no control over that either, you know? So it's, it, it's, in a sense, not truthful to say that we have the right to choose our calling in many ways. Um, let's think of a marriage. We often say that a couple decides, decides to get married, right? Like the, maybe we chose out of a whole wide range of options uh, the person we're going to get married to, Right? But that's not really the case. If you think about it, it's, it's all a matter of he chose her and she chose him. But it's a matter of being chosen, right? It's not like I can force somebody to marry me. I've got to wait for them to choose me. They've got to wait for me to choose them. And that's out of our control. It's out of our control. Uh, it's, it's a matter of being chosen in the sense it's an image of God choosing our vocation for us, calling us to something that he's designed us for. Nor did we choose what country we were born in, right? Yeah, we were, maybe can choose our citizenship after we're an adult and stuff, but the life-shaping, culture-shaping, you know, mind-shaping culture that we were born and raised in, we didn't have a choice in that. That was provided to us. So even when it comes to our employment, it's simply not true that the, in the ultimate sense that we chose our life work. Uh, for example, if, if I were to choose what I wanted to do right now just out of fun, I might choose that to play in the NBA, right? But that's not going to happen, right? Especially not like this guy. Uh, no matter how much I might desire this line of work, I'm too old. I'm not tall enough. I'm out of shape. I can't shoot very well. No NBA team's going to have me. And so, obviously, this is not my vocation, my God-given vocation, um, no matter how much I want to choose this line of work myself. Um, of course, we may make choices, and we all do in life, and we all make plans in life, which we should do from what we know. But as the Scriptures say, and we need to keep this in mind in Proverbs, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. It's understanding who is in charge. What do we want to be? We often ask ourselves as young people. And then when you get at my age in the 50s, you have this, quote, midlife crisis or something. You start thinking about, oh, my life here. And what do I want to do in the future? Do I want to do the same thing? You know, all this stuff. Uh, uh, that happens to a lot of people. 
But what we are is in many ways determined out of our control. Even our wants, our desires, our dreams, our choices are a function of who we are, who we think we are, or who we actually are. And that is to say, God is making use of our family and our culture to shape us and create. He's created us who we are, specifically. And finding our vocation then has to do in part with finding our God-given talents, our God-given design in the sense of what we can do, and our God-given personality of, of what we are like, our, who we are, uh, and fits the person we are. So to find our vocation, first we need to understand that we don't have a choice, and then secondly is to remain where we are and seek God's direction. And in other words, we don't need to go anywhere, we don't have to go find ourselves or whatever it is, to, or change the job we're in to find God's calling or vocation for us. Strictly speaking, we don't find our vocation um, as if it's something unknown. It's uh, waiting for us to discover. No, it's rather our vocation is already here and where we are and what we're doing. Remember, it's God working in us and through us through where we are now. That's the whole idea of vocation of God. And, And the Apostle Paul teaches this truth really clearly in 1 Corinthians. Let me read this for us. Listen closely. Each one should remain in the situation where he has, he was in when God called him. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For he who was a slave when he was called by the Lord is the Lord's freedman. Similarly, if he, he who was a freeman when he was called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brothers, each man is as responsible to God, should remain in the situation God called him to. Now, this does not mean we're locked forever in the situation we are and that God's never going to move and direct us out of this situation to go someplace where he, we can use the ways we've been designed and gifted by Him for His kingdom work. No, it doesn't mean that. But it, doesn't mean, it means that uh, we don't have to leave what we're doing now in order to be faithful to God's vocation for us because He can work in us and through us right where we are. Now, God may have us leave that, our situation, to better use us somewhere. But the key is we've got to seek His direction to know when that's the case. So our calling is to live for Jesus in what you and I are doing right now. That is our vocation. And there's a great example of this in the Old Testament. In 2 Kings chapter 5, in the story of Naaman, this military leader, when Elisha the prophet healed him of his leprosy, And uh, there's this character in the story that goes unnoticed often, and it's Naaman's wife, servant girl. And and she is a great example of this idea of vocation, God's calling. Let me just read the first three verses of this. Oops. Let's go back. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. I'll just read it for you. Uh, My slides aren't working anymore for some reason. Yeah, jump to the end all of a sudden, or the beginning. Oh, there we go. Good. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. It's not even Israel. It's a secular nation. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he 
would cure him of his leprosy. This servant girl amazes me. She saw her slavery as God's calling, vocation for her right at that moment. Because this is why she worked to love and serve her neighbor who happened to be her enemy in this situation. Because she was kidnapped and enslaved against her will. And her parents were probably killed and her hometown destroyed by Naaman's soldiers. And yet, she continues to trust in that God is in control and for whatever reason allowed her to live and be in this horrible situation, being a slave. And she still works for the good of her master, who was the instigator of all this evil that was done to her. And she, yet she suggests out of a heart to help this man to see the prophet of God. And there were also stories in the Old Testament of Joseph and Daniel and Nehemiah and Esther who all served the living God with a heart for others in their situation of captivity. They understood that no matter where they, were, they are, that God calls them to work for him and what they're doing. Uh, seek his direction. So vocation is all about how God works through us in our current situation not about how we work, our achievements, to do better, to get more money, to be more successful. No, it's how our mindset changes to how God is going to work in the situation, whether we're entrepreneurs or we're working in the business world or we're raising our kids at home or we're grandparents and we're retired, whatever it is. It changes our mindset. So if I'm retired, if I'm just going to use my life to travel the world and do everything and spend all my money on myself... That's probably not what God has fully called us to do in retirement, right? It doesn't necessarily say anywhere in the scriptures to just do it all for us and about ourselves, right? Live comfortably ourselves. No, ordinary life is where God has placed us. The family, the school, our jobs, the local church, our hometowns is where he has called you and me specifically to work for him. His calling is to remain where we are and seek his direction. Workaholics don't seek God's direction. They are driven by their work. That's all that encompasses their thinking. Professional achievements become the priority in life, and it is life-damaging as they do so. Now, if we seem to be a workaholic, ask ourselves, why has work become such a priority in my thinking, in my heart right now? Are we striving for success so that people will feel good about us or respect us, or maybe it's how we respect ourselves if we see successfulness. True self-worth can only be found and fulfilled in following Christ as Lord and Savior, our Creator. God's love and acceptance is not based on what you and I do or achieve. It's based on what God did and achieved for us alone. That's it. I'm going to end with this psalm 127 listen to these words it, it incorporates vocation very well just the first two verses ah can you can you show that again psalm 127 verses one and two there it is unless the lord builds a house the work of the builder is wasted unless the lord protects a city guarding it with centuries will do no good it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night anxiously working 
for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. God calls us to be focused, to be in a sense obsessed with what he wants us, to, he wants to achieve in us and through us in our situations where we are now. So that is the whole idea of vocation and following God's calling on us and to keep a mindset of where he may be directing us to go next. This is the mindset and heart in Christ that rids us of our workaholic tendencies. Let's pray together. Lord, change our hearts, renew our minds. We know we struggle this side of eternity with our sinful tendencies. And then only in you can we be redeemed and transformed to be more like yourself. Lord, reveal to us now, each of us here and online, where we fall short, especially with respect to this issue of workaholism. Whether we have a tendency toward this direction or we are gripped with it in our lives, Lord, we pray in the name of Christ Jesus that you would break this habit in our lives and bring honor to yourself as you work in us and through us to all the people around us in our lives. We pray this for your glories and your namesake. Amen.